If you're part of one and they're now pretty actively being in this sort of right-wing mindset, professing Trump, I would strongly recommend you, you get out of there because I heard this term this week on a podcast I did with Rev Carla called religious trauma. And I do believe churches are causing great trauma of people, the trauma of having a God that is willing to turn his back on us and spit us out and burn us like a crisp is is shame-filled and traumatic. And I want to keep people free of that trauma now. If your church is bringing this kind of trauma and this type of right-wing mindset, there is a point where we're either leaving or we're complicit. And so Mm -hmm. I leave that to you and God Mm -hmm. to consider. Okay, let's record. Three, two. Okay, wh- wh- which podcast is this? You have a lot of them. This is this is the Paul and Ashley podcast on nonpartisan evangelical. Oh, okay. Are we recording this? For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush-for-brains evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump? It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. So you want to talk about some of the things that were either highlights or strong messages you were trying to push out this week, maybe we could just amplify those for a minute. Yeah. And and the, you know, very quickly, the question of what does shadow banning mean? It means like all of a sudden your content stops getting fed out to people, whether on the following page or the for you page. And so then you don't get the traffic and the activity on your page. So, so supposedly people see your videos, TikTok then its algorithm says, oh, people like this video, so let's share it out more. And so that was happening for a long time. And I was getting amazing traction on my videos. It was so cool. It was my followers were growing fast. And then it's just they flipped a switch and it stopped. And and that's happened a couple of times, but never to this level and never this length of time. So and and I see, I still see your videos though. So that must be someone that's following you, right? Yeah. So sometimes like- that you can see them on the following page and and occasionally I'm getting them out on the For You page. I had one video get out on the For You page this yeah. week and it took off. So that's the key. But yeah, anyway, it's, we've beaten it to death. So yeah, this week. So here's some of the topics for us to talk about today, either through my videos or what I did with the, the Evangelicalish gang. And so the Equality Act has been a big deal in the Christian culture. And my response 
to the Equality Act, and I can go more nuanced than this, but my personal response was when I see the evangelical church losing its mind over something, and the evangelical act, or the Equality Act was what evangelicals went crazy over this week. I tend to go, oh, I'm probably for that then, because I don't trust the evangelical voice at all in culture. I think the evangelical voice in our culture is the most unreliable, most partisan, least trustworthy voice in our culture now, which is why I do what I do. Because then if we come and say, God is good, or Jesus loves you, or nobody believes us because our voice is so hypocritical and so unreliable. And of course, Franklin Graham was putting out big statements. This is the end. If this gets passed, it's the end of everything, which I've heard nonstop in the church since I was six years old, many decades ago. And so Our voice is so untrustworthy that when we say the Equality Act is the end of the world, it's Babylon, I go, man, no, I don't buy it. Oh my gosh, I'm seeing the message about Beth Moore leaving. Yep. That was a really big thing this week that she left the Southern Baptist Church. What it, I haven't really followed that too much, although other than just like seeing her Twitter. What have you seen on that? I think she said January 6th was the end. Okay. Okay. And the the Southern so she left the Southern Baptist Conference, which is what you grew up in. Yeah. And Beth Moore has been a critic of Donald Trump. She's been a, a dissenting voice in the SBC for some time. And she just said this week, that's it. I'm done. The January 6th and the church's response to January 6th was it for her. And she said, I think really well, she said, I am a Baptist, but I'm not that. And I have to leave. And so she she left this week. And so that was a big one. And one other thing, and then we can talk about all these things, was cancel culture. And in fact, my one video that went out this week was I listed Christians are going crazy. Left-wing cancel culture. They're canceling Mr. Potato Head. They're canceling Dr. Seuss, which, by the way, wasn't a left-wing canceling of Dr. Seuss. It was the Dr. Seuss Foundation, the company that carries on Dr. Seuss's books, picking six really unpopular Dr. Seuss books that none of us had ever heard of before and saying we will no longer print and sell these books because there are racist messages in them. None of the popular. Okay. None of the popular Dr. Seuss books, none of the ones you've ever heard of. And by the way, now that they've done it, their sales have skyrocketed. Okay. Dr. Seuss is not getting canceled by the left. He's he's getting six books canceled by capitalists who say this is hurting us. That is so interesting. Oh, okay. I don't have time for a lot of this stuff, to be honest. I rely on Paul to like keep me current <laughs> on what's going on because I'm running a nonprofit. I'm working hard in the field in yeah. a lot of ways here in Central California. And I'm just like burning through that kind of stuff every day. And I was like, why is everyone talking about Dr. Seuss? So that's what it was. There yeah. were, gosh. Okay. What books? have racial connotations. I, I don't know that I know that off top. I couldn't even name the books. I so don't know them, what, huh? what I heard the names and none of them I had ever read before. So it's not green eggs and ham. Yeah. It's not cat in the hat. Yeah. One it's, fish, two fish. Yeah. No, it's, it's none of, it's none of the six that I read the list I had ever heard of before in my life. Okay. Well, anyway, that's a sidetrack. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was big. So I think what's so funny is just like seeing people leave the evangelical church. And I'm just thinking of all of the things talking about the pot roast and the naps and the girls in action and the bell choir and like all that kind of stuff, all of the things that I'm really glad to be leaving behind, but I'm, but are there things that you are taking with you? 
What do you take with you from you think about oh, evangelical ish? There's no question. There's my my love of the Bible I got from growing up in my youth and hearing the stories and all those things. I've now learned that much of the interpretation I learned of that Bible was poor and incorrect. And I've had to change how I read the Bible quite a bit, which I also love. But that's, you know, that's certainly something I'm taking from my yeah. the church of my youth. Yep. I I would agree. And I, I'm thinking about so I left the Republican Party in 2019. I'm soon to leave. I'm still registered yeah. Republican, but I'm planning what I that made a big deal like. out of it. I, I mean, want to make a big deal out of it. And let's just keep that between us. But because uh, there will be a point where I want to make sure I'm like much more verbal about that. But at this moment, it's just, yeah, I, I re-registered my driver's license. So I got my real ID in California. And is like, what's your political party? I cannot, I cannot check that party again. So anyway, so I, and I'm making a list in my head, like I'm leaving, I've left the Republican party, but there are some things I'm taking with me. Right. And so I think that's a good exercise. You didn't leave the Republican party for the democratic party. No, you, I you just left went NPP to have yeah. no party yeah. to not be a part of any party. And but, that's what people have a hard time understanding sometimes is we're not saying, okay, now we're going to the other side. We're just saying we can no longer be a part of this. Yep. Yep. It's totally devolved. That's with the Repub for me, the Republican party and the evangelical church. I can't be a part of either of those yes. things anymore. Yes. But I think that's an interesting question. I'm leaving it for these reasons, but I'm taking with me these things. I'm curious what people would say if you've had that experience of leaving the evangelical church. The reasons are obvious, probably if you're on this um, live right now. Well, what are you taking with you? And you're taking yeah. the love of the, of the, of the, Bible. the Bible. Growing up in the rural part of the country, I'd never seen skyscrapers and density. And I, and there were all these images of these kids that were living in, in pretty disinvested places in New York City. And it was just like images of what the church was doing to reach out to those kids. And Yogi Bear, they would dress up as Yogi Bear and go interact with the kids. And I thought that was so cool. And it really moved me. It's still to this day, just the reaching people where they are and like expressing love for them is probably one of the most foundational things that I ever experienced in my Baptist church growing up. And I definitely take that with me. And I do think it's like all the people, we all mess this up, but I do think I connected with an unconditional love from God as expressed through Jesus and the way he was talked about and stuff like that. Like I a hundred percent got that down. Yeah, yeah. And that'll, I'll never not carry that with me. See, for me, what I learned in the church growing up was unconditional love from God as long as you did certain things. And if you didn't do certain things, he yeah. would love you, yeah. but he would be really pissed off. Yeah. And and was just more than thrilled to send you to hell for it. Was really looking forward to the that. The thing moment. of it is though, I would say in my experience, like I definitely got that message, but I could always tell that it was coming from people and that there was like, you know, it didn't totally square with what I was experiencing in just my connection with God. I was always a little bit like, okay, he must be mad at me, but also somehow he really loves me. So I, I think I I, I could feel the love still coming through and I could understand that people were um, mixing the message somehow. Yeah. I, my learning of who God was, it was totally conditional because you, you were Southern Baptist. I was Assembly of God. So at least you had once, had saved, once always saved, always saved. saved. We yes. were like, your salvation was being lost hour by hour. You could be saved one second and totally yes. on your way to hell the next. And, and that's what I learned about God. Like he was keeping score at all times. 
And when you started like asking questions about that, so if I say, dang, will I be going to, well, no, but, you know, and so it was really nebulous what that looked like. And so I'm happy that you got unconditional love from God. I was taught that God was the most amazing scorekeeper, record keeper, and he was so on I, it at honestly, any moment of the that day. That is like revelation for me right now. Mm-hmm. I have been married to you for 26 years and we have been together for 27 oh, years. you've heard me talk about that before. No, but I never equated it. Like I always heard it the way I experienced it growing up, which was it was coming from people and I definitely got shame and condemnation from people, but I never totally put that on God. And I'm hearing you say you actually did experience God in that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. God, it, it, this is the way I learned it. God was ready to fry me like a crisp. If, if it wasn't for Jesus standing there blocking the lightning from God, I would have been fried like, a, you know, Jesus was there all the time going, no, God, no, Paul, I know he's an asshole, but it's okay. Don't fry him today. <laughs> yes, he deserves it. I know. But here, blah. that was the relationship with God wanted. And, and so when I went to college and got out from under my household religion, I said, screw religion. And deep inside, I knew because of that, I was going to hell. And I and so I said, hey, if I'm going to be in hell for eternity, then I'm going to live the hell out of my life and really went through what I call my pagan years. And and I still believe that is as much as we've tried to off throw that when our message is God loves you unconditionally, no matter what. But if you're gay, uh, yeah. That's still the same message. No place for you here. It's yeah. still the message that God is keeping score. And we may now be the the determiners of what he's keeping score on. We've now decided, well, he's not keeping score on divorce anymore, but he is still keeping score on gay people. We're, it's still the same message. God loves you unconditionally, except for that one or two or three or 20 or a hundred things that are important to us. So if you're just clicking into this and you're like, who are these people? What are they talking about? I'm Ashley. That's Paul. Paul is old pastor Paul on TikTok and pastor-paul.com online. You can find a whole bunch of cool podcasts and other content that he produces. Our life story is just something we're wanting to share with whomever would come into this space. And we're trying to encourage each other. Paul, well, you just heard, went through his heathen years, longtime sportscaster. This may not, you you guys out there on TikTok may not realize that Paul started as a TV sportscaster. Yep anchor and then went into radio in El Paso, Texas, then Bakersfield, CA, then Fresno, 30 years of radio, this guy. So if you're ever like, gosh, he has a broadcast quality to his voice because he was a broadcaster, (laughs) but then he has the most interesting journey, but then decides, uh, in fact, I want to start a church because here we are rooted in Fresno going like God has great plans for this place. Kind of an underdog city looked down on by the rest of the golden state or in the middle of the state. And our population is growing. It's young, but it's pretty low income here. And so we get a lot of everyone looks down on us. So we get connected. We start thinking, Hey, God loves this place. He's going to show up and do great things here. So he decides to plant a church. I decide to run for mayor. So in the same year that I was elected mayor, Paul planted a church. We did that for 10 years. I served for eight was termed out. And along the way, we're like, Hey, the Republican Party isn't exactly what we thought it was. And hey, the evangelical church is maybe feeling off course. And here comes Donald and, Trump. And that and was, here comes the pandemic. And then we land right here. To, to interject, the, I, the reason I think we started feeling like the church and the Republican Party were off is because it was in our heart to see our city improve and get better and see the real systemic problems of our city addressed. 
And we didn't see in our church or in our party a heart to fix those things. That, that the heart was more yeah. aimed on, let's really focus on these few issues and this culture war, which now the Republican Party is 100% about the culture war. But even in you know those mid-2000s, I think we were like, and maybe even before, we we're like, why doesn't our church and our party want to see our city right. change? Okay, yeah. And I was really confronted by that in, so 2008, I was elected, 2009, sworn in. By 2010, the Obama administration, you know, gotten its feet under them, put their team together, working on their domestic policy agenda. And they came up with this program called Strong Cities, Strong Communities. And they were looking for cities to partner with in the U.S. that were challenged, but that had the fighting spirit and were making a go to see a turnaround. And so Fresno was selected as one of those cities, six in the country. And we're like, oh, this is so great. We're getting the focus of our nation's capital. This is what we need. And we had this big press conference to announce the fact that we were selected for this partnership. And talk radio lit up, like conservative talk radio, about and how- And we have a big conservative talk radio station in our one town. One of the largest in the country. That dominates um, the radio airwaves and here. So all of these presidents started saying like, that mayor, she's giving away our city and here comes the army. All of the anti-Obama- kind of stuff was just like, like people were foaming and frothing about this. And I was like, whoa, I mean, go to the ballot box and vote for who you want to for president. But in this town, we are all for Fresno and for making our city better and for helping the lives of the people who live here. And whomever would come along in partnership that can help us, we're going to say yes to. So that was like a fork in the road. I didn't realize that that partisanship was as deeply held as it was. I know I was naive. So that and then and seeing the church on the other side of, of that, for example, and seeing a lot of people who I know love God. I know they do. Oh, sorry. I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know you've got your face covered up so you can't see it, but you've got to stay on the screen. So funny fact, <laughs> I hate watching myself on these. And so I literally put a post-it note on the iPad <laughs> so I can't see myself. So that's why I'm like, I have no idea I'm off screen right now. Okay. Anyway, a lot of people in the church, or I should say it another way. The Republican Party activists in our community, they were showing up speaking against the things we right. were trying to do from a community improvement standpoint. And it was like, whoa, there's no space to even sit and talk or understand the recommendations and understand the data behind it or like the merits of the arguments of the things we were championing. So that was like, that was a real like Tea Party. And that was the like, yeah. oh, OK, the the start for me of seeing this division. We, we were looking at the Bible, seeing Jeremiah 29, 7 says, pray for the welfare of your city, for in its welfare, you'll find your welfare. And that verse was talking about really unholy cities. And then we just see it in the Bible again and again, where God is saying, I want you to have justice and, and equality and freedom in your cities. And what our party and religion were saying was, you no, know, it's we just want to ban abortion. That that's it. We yeah. want to ban abortion and gay yeah. marriage. And that's what we're about. And and we just couldn't equate the two. Very funny. Jeremy C Radio on TikTok, you guys, I know many of you probably follow his page already, but if you're not following it, he just went over a hundred K followers because he's amazing. But he uh, he just said make Fresno great again. That's he, Fraga. <laughs> Fraga. Fraga. Ma Fraga. Is that what it would be? M-A-M-F-G-A? Uh, M- but I think you have to go with the F-R-E. M-A-F-R-E-A-G. Uh, I, I don't know. You're stretching that one. <laughs> so some of this now is, you know, with Beth Moore leaving and the Equality Act and just the unreliable voice of the evangelical church 
We talked a couple of weeks ago about the letter a group I'm with sent out to evangelical leaders saying, why aren't Christian leaders stepping up and denouncing January 6th? All these things. So the question came up this week several times from people asking, should I leave my church? And this is a really tough question because we've led churches. We know how painful it is Bye, when people Laura leave. Mosley. She says she's got to go. Who's that? Laura Mosley has to go. Oh, okay. sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I don't know who Laura Mosley is. She but... gave us like a million hearts. Oh, okay. Like, I was just saying goodbye to her. Thank right. you. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. So I think it's an important question, though. <laughs> she gets so distracted by the comments, she loses track of the show. I'm going to have to start putting um, post-it notes <laughs> over the, the comments as well. Because we do have to keep coherent thoughts together to keep people entertained. I show I think, up sometimes. the comments, by the way. So where was I going with all of that? I've lost it now in the middle of that. Don't give up. Keep praying and calling out God. You're in my prayers. Thank you for that, Erica. So when do you leave your church? And it's such an important question. And my advice first is, do it with as much honor and integrity and as little division as possible. I was saying in, in my Bible talk this morning, keep track of who said they moved to Fresno there. If somebody asks me, should I go to a church that meets in a building four Sundays a month, I'm now in a space in my life where I would say, in general, my recommendation is no. And that's really hard for me being a, a pastor of a church that met in a building four Sundays a month. And not because I think all churches that meet in a building are evil or having a building is evil or having professional clergy is evil, but I just see the norm it's pulling us to in this season. And he, as much as I tried to build a church that wasn't like that, wasn't homogenous to the American evangelical church, that pull is so powerful that as a pastor, you have to fight it every day because everybody wants to be the church that they've always seen everybody else be. And it just pulls to that norm. And then when a pastor like I was speaks against it, people get up and leave. And they very loudly take their tithes with them and make sure people know they're leaving because they believe the pastor no longer hears God. So that's why I don't recommend being a, going to one of those churches. And if you're part of one, and they're now pretty actively being in this sort of right-wing mindset, professing Trump that you need to vote for Trump to be a Christian, I would strongly recommend you, you get out of there because I heard this term this week on a podcast I did with Rev Carla called religious trauma. And I do believe churches are causing great trauma of people. Even when you listen to us, the trauma of having a God that is willing to turn his back on us and spit us out and burn us it's like so a crisp is, is shame-filled yeah. and traumatic. And I want to keep people free of that trauma now. So that's a long way of saying, be thoughtful. I wouldn't say, yes, leave your church. But if your church is bringing this kind of trauma and this type of right-wing mindset, there is a point where we're either leaving or we're complicit. And so mm -hmm. I leave that to you and God mm -hmm. to consider. And I don't say that's true of everybody, but there is a point where you become complicit to the message and the spirit mm -hmm. of what the group is doing. Well, while you were just sharing that, a couple of things that came in the chat. So first of all, Smiley Me 100 just moved to Fresno two years ago. So welcome hey, to Smiley our community. Me. Nice. And uh, Smiley Me comments that it looks like this is a place that is a little resistant to change. You should have seen it 20 years ago. There, <laughs> There is, I say there, 
people who are civically active, there's two kinds of people in Fresno, people fighting to change it, people fighting to keep it the same. There's a big status quo mindset. Yeah, the people like fighting to change it. Like we sometimes fight with ourselves because we have different ideas on how to change it, but we've been really working to reconcile that and just be on the same page so we can stand off against the status quo. But there are some really amazing things happening in this community. So that came in the chat. And then, oh gosh, with some other, yeah, comments about losing faith. And ideas for encouragement around that. I think if you keep going up, it was quite a ways up there. And you can leave questions in the question. Dom Dom Garcia. I've been losing faith and I feel like I'm close to not believing. Can you give me some advice? All right. Okay. I'll jump on that one. Here's, I would say I'm certainly, I haven't been like close to losing faith, but I feel like my foundations are being disrupted for sure. And I'm now realizing, and this is just the understatement of the day, but we're living in such a tumultuous time, but I really see that it is, it's God's hand that's causing this stuff to be disrupted. And even the Trump years, to me, the silver lining was all of us getting to see what was just under the surface in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways, racial division, the whole, all the stuff we're talking about here about evangelicalism. Evangelicalism, gosh. Evangelicalism. Anyway, let me see if I can turn this. Yeah. So, so it's disruptive, but it's disruptive for a reason. I actually take faith in that knowing that it's okay. Like it's messy and it's painful, but it's okay because I believe we're going to land in a much better place. That's going to serve future generations for like hundreds of years. So that's our opportunity. That's my heart to, we got to hang on to that and work for that. But in the middle of just the foundation being shifted and losing connection in a lot of ways, what I've been trying to do is just go back to what is central for me, Mm -hmm. which is meditating on and experiencing the authentic, unconditional love of God and blocking out the noise, blocking out what I perceive other people's opinions are about this season, about what's right, about what's wrong, literally closing the door on that, sitting in a room by myself with a journal and just putting on paper what I'm thinking presenting the, I I do that kind of as prayer and meditation and really just honing in on who are you, God? And like, you love me and I love you and just making it about that. And I have found that to be like really refreshing. Mm. I think trying to get other people to see things the way I do or rebut, Paul's great at that. You love to jump in and rebut and create space for people to just be on this journey and not be piled on to by religious abusers and all of that. But for me, I just need to zoom in on who I know, who I have experienced the God of love to be. Yeah, I don't need other people's opinion about that. I know what I've experienced. And I think I had a season where God was leading my heart and my spirit to say, hey, evangelical church, you've got to change. And I feel like now what God's purpose is for me is, okay, now you can forget that. It was like Jeremiah, and uh, I think it was at Ezekiel, where God said, you're going to go preach this and nobody's going to listen to you. But (laughs) you've been shadow banned. Yeah, but the declaration has to be spoken. And now I feel like what God is saying is, yeah, I'm done with that. I'm done with that church. I'm done with that evangelical church. I'm done with that Western Christianity. So go to where I am now. And so some of that is, and and the audience I think is, and probably why many of you are here listening other than the haters who want to come on and say the hateful stuff that thank you, the moderators for muting some of that so we stay safe here. The reason most of you are here is all of us are sensing like there's a new way God's voice is being heard in this season. 
And so some of that is I've even had to adjust how I read the Bible, like I was saying earlier, that I now really want to focus on what did Jesus say and how did Jesus live and what, what am I told in the story of the life of Jesus as Jesus being a reflection of who God is. So God's not this mean man, this mean judge in heaven wanting to fry me unless Jesus saves me. But Jesus saying, no, I've actually come to show you who the Father is, who the Creator is in relationship to all of you. So I read the Gospels from that perspective rather than Jesus trying to say, I want everybody to come join my new religion. He's saying, I want you to know who the Creator is and the relationship the creator of the universe wants to have with you as a human being. Wow. And the re- and and maybe even more important the relationship that the creator wants you to have with one another when you understand your value the creator has for you. If I understand that God looks at me and says I'm good and I've created to be who I am and I have a destiny and purpose and I can be safe in that, then I can love others really well. But if I join a religion that Jesus came to start, now I have to start excluding others and starting inviting people to be a part of my club. And so some of that, I I really have to read who Jesus is differently. And honestly, and I know this is a little scary for some, but when I read the words of Paul in, in a book like Galatians, I say, isn't this really cool and interesting and important for us to understand how Paul was giving guidance to the church of Galatians? but Paul was not giving theological edicts for all of us for all of history. He, he was dealing with simple crises in simple places, in simple, not, not simple, in particular cultures, rather than giving an edict for all of history. That's how I think we've completely misinterpreted the religion that Jesus came to build is by misinterpreting what Paul and well, Peter and James were doing when they were writing their epistles. And just like quick edit, Jesus didn't come to build a religion. You just said the religion Jesus came to build. You, right. didn't, you didn't mean to say that. What I was saying facetiously. Oh, I see. I if, see. If okay. we believe Jesus came to build a religion and demand we be a part of that religion to be in good relationship with God, we miss who Jesus really was and the message that Jesus was saying, yeah. which was, even to the woman at the way says, it's not going to be about this religion or that religion. It's going to be about knowing that you can connect directly to God yourself. Yeah. And when you think of it that way, and you think of the, just how broad and deep the foundations are that are opposite of what you just said, like the institutional religious culture. And then you think, oh, is that what God is upending? Oh my goodness gracious. It is almost all of society. Like we're not going to be the same which I think is really exciting, but it's really big what's going on. I did a video this week where I played an evangelical and I played a Pharisee and they both were talking at the same time and saying almost word for word exactly the same thing. And I really believe if we we sit down and look at what did the Pharisees, the religious leaders that Jesus really criticized, believed and compare it with what evangelicals really believe at the base of their religion, they are the same thing. They are... You have to be like us in our definition of righteousness, in our interpretation of scripture, or you're not in good relationship with God, and you're going to go to hell. And I think God is saying, guys, that was never the message from the get-go, and you've really missed it. And because I've asked you to step away from that, and you refuse to, then you're going to something else. And so I think you said this earlier in another way, but 
So the question is, okay, then what does God want a community of faith to look like today? Because I don't believe our faith should be walked out in a closet by ourselves. It should be done in community. So what does that community look like? And in some ways, we're experimenting with that, like right now with what we're doing. And we're experimenting with that with the the services, the Zoom church services we do on Sunday mornings. Yeah, I I have been less worried about trying to define what the community of faith of the future looks like, which, by the way, someone yesterday referred to you as a 21st century Christian. I know. Isn't that cool? It's like, whoa. My Buddhist friend said, wow, you're a 21st century Christian. So think about that for a second. And I I think I have spent less time thinking about what's it going to look like going forward and more time just really like meditating on and being okay with the change of what we currently have. And I, cause I don't want to, I don't want to rush past it. I don't want to, I don't want to lock down too quickly on something that isn't really the fullness of who God is thought. and what God wants. So I'm just kind of like feeling like I'm riding this disruptive wave and going, Oh, really God, are you taking that out too? Oh my goodness. You taking that out and just letting that be okay. And So we'll stop and do our quick commercial. But the one thing I would say is I get to love people that I didn't get to love before. The fact that I had a conversation with a Buddhist yesterday, and that's okay, that God's not going to be mad at me for that, and a demon isn't going to jump on me, makes my life so much more full and happy. And so I get to love people I didn't get to love. It just makes me realize we've just been such jerks to people. We've been such arrogant jerks. I'll speak for myself. Yes, we have. I've been an arrogant jerk. Like, same, like growing up, believing that, talking to or having a relationship with someone who didn't, who wasn't an evangelical Christian, like that I might, I could be social. I could chat for a little bit, but I knew that if I let the relationship go on too long without trying to convert that person to seeing things the way I did, then I was going to start to be looked down upon. You, you were hiding your That's relationship right. I with was, God. You, I was not doing You were my, having fear before man. I was not taking care of business, yeah. the business of evangelicalism. In fact, I remember this is actually a much more innocent, but a reflection of what I was already being taught at this age. When I, this is so embarrassing. When I was probably in fifth grade, my best friend, like, like bosom buddies, like literally like twins, like we had the same birthday, like everything. My best friend in the whole world that I loved, like a sister was Methodist Mm. and I was Baptist and I was already being taught that she was going to hell because she wasn't a Baptist. (laughs) And because I loved my best friend, like a sister, I, you had to convert her at lunch one day. I told her she was going to hell and that she didn't, you know, for being a Methodist, not being a non-Christian, being a non-Baptist. And I was like crying. I was literally like, you have to be a Baptist. You have to have Jesus in your heart because Methodists drank wine and this and that. And if you were living in that today, you would be in big trouble. So later that night, my parents called me into the living room. They sat me down and I knew I was in trouble, but they were sweet about it. They knew they had a tough situation on their hands, but my best friend's mom had called my parents and said, hey, Ashley said this on the playground today. Obviously that was traumatic for my dear sweet friend. So my parents told me like, hey, you can't, you can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? I can't do this. This is what you guys, the church is telling me to do. Yeah. She's not, and I could see they were in a pickle. 
because they they were like, she's not wrong. We that is what we teach, but also <laughs> you can't do that anymore. And it was like the first time I was kind of caught my parents in a logic trap, and I was like, something's fishy here. How so about that? yeah, that How was like that? I was probably eight, nine, ten. And that's that's trauma. You know, we haven't ever put it in those terms, but telling somebody they're going to hell for all of eternity for who they are or what they believe or what they feel is horrifying to me now to think that. And I did that. I won a couple of my friends to Christ and for the next two weeks, browbeat them to death. You can't listen anymore. You can't listen to that. You can't say that. You can't say these words. You can't have long hair. It was so stupid. So stupid. Yeah. So someone's asking about the Zoom service. Where the Zoom service You want to talk about that? Yeah. So first off on that one, if you go to my website, if you go to pastor-paul.com, that will take you to our podcast website. And if you click on the events contact tab, that will uh, give you the schedule for the week and give you the link to the Zoom service in the morning. So we do stream it on TikTok in a very low quality, point the camera at the screen uh, stream, but some people enjoy that. That's all you can do with TikTok. Or you can join us by Zoom in the service itself. I, I hate service. I'm being Don't triggered say service. by that. The gathering. The gathering. And, and we just share life. We usually have a little bit from the Bible, and, and then we generally take communion together. And so that's what we do on Sunday mornings. I saw somebody asked, how do you handle communion? So I'm not sure all that question entails, but I'm assuming when you're asking that is you're asking who gets to take communion with you. And so I will tell you the answer to that is everybody gets to take communion. And I believe the Bible is clear that everybody gets to take communion together. I hear often the Bible is clear, and I wish I had a dime for every time everybody told me the Bible is clear, and it turned out not to be clear. But I think everything Jesus did was inviting people into relationship. It wasn't like you get to do this, and then once you get cleaned up, you can come into relationship. No, he went to Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and said, I'm coming to your house for lunch now, not if you get cleaned up and get fixed. So I'm not going to demand anything of anybody to take communion with us. I'm going to say, come, get into relationship with us in this mystical, supernatural, super cool moment with God, and then we'll just work out everything in relationship together. So that's how we handle communion. And we say, Communion implements can be whatever you got. If you have wine and a cracker, wonderful. If you have some bread and some juice, fantastic. If you have a beer and a Doritos potato chip, awesome. That'll work. Whatever you got, we're taking. <laughs> Which last week I said that or lot. Two weeks ago I said, we've had people use Doritos and soda for communion and someone got upset by that. Oh, did they really? What yeah. did they say? Oh, just those are the representing the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. You can't use Doritos. So again, I'm, I'm starting a, a new segment on my Saturday morning Bible talks. And, and I'm going to start doing passages abused and misused by Christians of the Bible. And that would be one right there, because by the way, communion, breaking bread together, the Bible calls it often in Acts 2, 42 through 45, meant having a meal together. It didn't mean having an oyster cracker and a little thing of juice. By the way, they drank wine in those. It wasn't a silver tray with a little cup with juice in it. They ate a meal together. Jesus, on the night of the first communion, what we call the Last Supper with his disciples, 
it was a meal and they happened to have bread and wine and he used those symbolically, but they had bread and wine because they were eating a Passover meal together. So to say these implements don't count for communion is to completely misunderstand what the Bible says. You and your smarts. Sorry. Challenging our conventional thinking. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah. So one other thing of a commercial is we do have a subscription service for the nonpartisan evangelical group, which is the podcast I do, the nonpartisan evangelical. And some people ask from time to time, how can we financially support you in sharing this message? And we do not take up tithes and offerings. We don't even take missionary support. We have a subscription service called Patreon that you can sign up for, and you get the audiobook version of my book. You get to be a part of our private Facebook group, other cool things. And if you go up higher tiers, you can get more even to $100 a month. We have a monthly online meeting together. And so I would love for you to join that because that's how we're doing this financially and, and are able to do the TikTok lives I do through the week and all the videos and all the things I do is because of the subscription service of Patreon and the services we sell through coaching and the other things. So if you can, and I know some of you are in really difficult financial positions, so this is not for you to put yourself into financial difficulty, but if you have to give... I'm not asking you to give a donation. I'm saying join up with our subscription service and get some cool stuff for it. And uh, you do that by hitting our Patreon page. You can either do that by going to pastor-paul.com and hitting that Patreon button, or you can go to patreon.com slash NPE podcast. And I'll just say, we trust that the, the people who are meant to do that, they're going to do it. Yep. If it's in your heart and aligns with you, that's so great. And we're super grateful and if it doesn't, and it's not, we understand that. And that's okay too. We really have that no shame and condemnation when it comes to money stuff. Uh, uh, our friend Lisa Beige 45 says, sorry, yeah, I'm late feeling a bit I'm under so the weather. So that. We're going to pray for Lisa and she supports us on Patreon. I've got to tell you something that's on YouTube Okay. from our friend, Kristen. I can't get over how gorgeous <laughs> Ashley is inside and out. Kristen Russell's my new best friend. <laughs> We will be hanging out all the time together. That's nice. Thank you. She, Kristen also said earlier, she said, I can see you filtering your pronouns of God. Yes, I do. I'm learning that. Yeah. And and I usually say, you have, sorry, I hit my microphone here. Will you have grace for me for seeing the God of my youth as a father and as a he? But I don't believe actually now that God is a he. I believe that God does not have a gender that the patriarchal he God we see of the Bible is a cultural reference. And so sometimes I say you have grace for me because that is my cultural reference. And that's how I see God as a really good father. But I'm, I really want to make space for people yep. who see God differently. And that's than definitely that. something we've learned. We've learned from a lot of you and we appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. Hey, so we've been on for about an hour yep. and as per usual, I literally could sit here all day reading comments and enjoying what you guys are saying and laughing with you and being encouraged by what you're sharing. But Kristen I also want you to come to Georgia and have coffee. With oh her, my by gosh, the way. Georgia. I really, oh my I'm gosh. Compelled to get to, yeah. we want to get to Tennessee and Georgia. And then we have family still in Arkansas. So, so we want to make a trip sometime. You guys know, well, Jeremy was on earlier. Jeremy's He's one of my Oklahoma. partners on Evangelical-ish. And then April, 
is also an evangelicalish partner. And we Zoomed with her and her husband Beecher last night, which was so much fun. And they live in Eastern Tennessee, about an hour and a half from, from Atlanta. Atlanta. So now we're like, oh, we've got to get to Atlanta. I've never been to Atlanta. Now I know, I don't think Kristen lives close to Atlanta. She lives more on the Florida oh side of Georgia. I would love to visit Bristol, Virginia. Bristol, Virginia. All of these places. like as Oh, a- Moon Drawers is from Arkansas. Oh, okay. I was raised in Northwest. I was raised in Fort Smith and I miss that part of the country. And I've been in California for over 30 years and I do, it's it's coming back to me. Kristen says Savannah. Savannah. I would just love to go to to Savannah to hear people say Savannah, Georgia with a Southern accent. You know what? I've heard Savannah is one of the most beautiful cities like that you could ever visit. So all the, now it's like all these places. Like, yeah. I want to go everywhere. I've been. Moon you know, drawers is from Little Rock. Okay, and my parents went to University of Arkansas. I think I've in Fayetteville. In Fayetteville, I've never been to Little Rock. All the places that yeah. we have to go. I think I lived being, in Southern Missouri. I've never been to Little Rock either. Being in inside and in Fresno for basically. Wait, a that's year. wrong. I've been to Little Rock. When did you go to Little I Rock? I went. Remember, I, we had we had a arena football team here in oh, Fresno, gosh. and they played in Little Rock. I do remember. And that. I was the announcer for the team. And I can't believe I forgot that because I got to go to her Little Rock Central High School and the little oh, museum across the street. Wow. And that was That's a really right. important right. moment in my life yep. to see how Little Rock Central High School had to be integrated by the National Guard and that whole thing. So, yes, I have been to Little Rock. Gosh, Everybody's like, come to Fort Collins, which I've been to Fort Collins. It's beautiful. I love all of these places. Chicago, Illinois, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, Bandera, Texas. I've never heard of Bandera, Texas. I haven't either. Just a quick thing. I don't know if this means anything to anybody else here, but Moon I'm... Drawers, by the way, says she graduated from Little Rock Central High School. So oh, cool. no way. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So there, I'm just telling you, I can't totally put logical <laughs> words on this. But there is something about where you are, where you live, and there's a connection with faith for me. When I see names of communities, I instantly think about the ambitions of that community. Whether or not you realize that your community has a culture, your community has collective ambitions, hopes, desires, etc. Even if you are living in a pretty disunified area, there is a collective voice that rises up from that place. And like, I'm just telling you, I'm a city person. I'm a community person. And every single one of these places that are being mentioned, there's a destiny for those places. And uh, I get just get excited. So. Yeah. And your love for your city makes us love your city. Yes. So we live in Fresno. Now, yes. Fresno is a place that's mocked quite a bit by other California cities. But we're just like, no, we love it. It's the greatest place on earth. Yeah. God loves Fresno more than any other city. Now, that's what we say, because that's our heart for Fresno. Yes. And when you come on and say, I love Savannah, Georgia, like Kristen did, then we love Savannah, Georgia. And you. you're always so quick to point out, like when particularly in the Old Testament, like God refers to whole cities, like the sort of the DNA of a city or a region is a place where people decide to come together to literally share services, share costs, take care of one another. And so we know that God's heart is for people and it's for us acknowledging who God sees other people to be. So when we decide to help take care of each other and create opportunities for people in our communities, et cetera, we know we're in alignment with God's heart. So that is just a little closing word of like, wherever you're living, even if you've never really connected with a civic vibe in your place, like start to push into that. And ask yourself, like, what does God think about this town I live in? What does God think about this rural community? What does God think about this major urban center? Yeah, He'll start to show you, he or she, 
God oh, will start God to show you. will start to the God. The infinite the creator God of the universe. The unconditional loving God. <laughs> See how God it gets so hard you. though, to, when you take the, the pronouns out of it, it gets difficult, but. So brother, I didn't know that Lisa, yeah, she has a brother has a in Fresno pray and can find him again. A hundred percent. will pray for that. Hi, Houston. You used to have an aunt that lived in Houston. Yep, yep. Quite she's, a town. she's back in Tulsa. Now. All right. So we're going to pray okay. a blessing for you. I do want to say somebody was asking my bio says God is not a Republican. And so she was asking, so are you saying God's a Democrat? No, what I'm actually saying is the partisan right wing mindset of the church is wrong. So I'm speaking specifically against the right-wing Republican mindset of the the right-wing evangelical church. Now, I understand there are predominantly Black evangelical churches that wouldn't lean Republican, but I'm speaking to the mindset of the evangelical church that I know and saying God's not Republican and he doesn't require his people to be. He's not even anti-abortion and requiring his people to be. He is nonpartisan, not leaning in that direction. No, he's not a Democrat either. The reason I resist that a little bit is because then people are like, you're right, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics at all. And I disagree with that as well. I think we should be engaged in our civic government because God looks at us as people groups in our collective heart. And what my wonderful wife, who's been involved in elected office before, would say, God doesn't like politics, but he does love good government. And he loves justice in government. And he loves, there I go again. Thank you for letting, for having grace for me to seeing God as I know him. He loves it when government works well to serve all people and bring justice and equality for a community. So that's our yeah. belief. Yep. And thank you for the question. That's a really good one. And just to put a fine point on that, it's amazing. And I see your comment here about you're not religious. You just like to learn. So the funny thing is, if you say to Republican evangelicalism and that world, if you say, hey, God's not a Republican, you can watch their little, their mind, like the, the mechanics in their brains just start worrying. They're like, oh, well, like on the surface, I know that's probably not true, but I'm really offended by that. But I can't say that I'm offended because I'm going to reveal that I think that God is a republic. It is the, like the most mind boggling thing to say to people who have that mindset. So well, and in general, part, of, part of why he says it, they'll say, you're right. God's not a Republican, but he does require us to vote for candidates that are anti-abortion, anti-gay, pro-Israel, whatever that means pro this, that. So in the end, they define the Republican platform. God's not Republican. He just believes everything the Republican Republican platform believes. They may say they don't believe God's Republican. They just live like it. So, yeah. All right. We got a wrap for, for the weekend and, and really appreciate you guys tuning in with us. Please do share, even as we're closing out, if you haven't shared this live feed, it helps with our algorithm challenges. Let's break TikTok. So hit the share and share this puppy out. If you haven't followed Paul yet on TikTok, please do. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Paul's posting usually a couple videos a week or a day. And then you've got a pretty regular rhythm now as to when you're showing up live right. on TikTok. And you can always direct my message, Paul, too. I watched this guy. He's like on the couch at night, like just on his iPad, like responding. He gets a lot of comments and he loves connecting with people. He loves doing little online theological battles with some of y'all too. So keep that going, but please do feel free to connect in a way that's comfortable for you. You can go to pastor-paul.com to get information about the Zoom gathering tomorrow morning, which is at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah. And somebody said, I should start a podcast. We should start a podcast. We have one. It's called the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. 
If you go to pastor-paul.com, you can catch up on it. And if you guys haven't listened to the podcast I did this week with Rev Carla, it is so good. You've got to hear it. And if you didn't listen last week to the one I did with Doug Paget, you've got to hear it. It's so good. And then this Thursday, I release one with a podcaster named David Smalley, and he's an atheist. And we talk about atheism and why atheists are opposed to Christianity in our public spheres. And I warn you, you're not going to hate him. And that's going to be a problem for some of you. (laughs) Because he turns out he's a really nice guy with really reasonable reasons why he doesn't want to see prayer in the Senate, etc, etc, etc. So be careful, you may end up just liking an atheist. You might like an atheist. All right. So let's pray for your households, your cities, got all those cities we saw appear in this comment string. And if you haven't put it up yet, type it in there. We speak Shalom. We speak peace and blessing and wholeness over those cities. And we just say somehow supernaturally, God, we don't even know how this works, but just our connection of our spirits together on YouTube, on TikTok, just create an overwhelming sense of being a part of something bigger. Merced, we bless Merced, which is just up the road from us. And God, just give us a great love for one another that spurs us to love people around us. Hebrews 6 says, let us spur one another towards love and good deeds. And so let our connection this morning spur us towards good deeds and love for others around us. I agree with that. And I just say, God, I trust you. I trust you, God, with the hearts, the passions, the interests, the challenges, the pain, the points of pain for all the people who gathered today, whether they're on now or not, their families, their extended networks. God, Paul and I trust you to meet those needs, to be there for people, to reveal more of yourself. And ultimately, God, that's what we're asking for is to understand more about you because we know the more we know about you, the more we're able to love ourselves, to love each other and to reflect your glory and your beauty. God, we just pray for more downloads. Let us experience your love. And we do really ask God that even today, the people who have gathered around this time, that they would experience closeness with you. That's unexplainable. They just be like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm sensing um, something's different and that God is with me and he's for me. So we bless everybody on this thread right now and their communities. Yeah, I pray in Jesus name. Yeah. And we bless those that are considering decisions of staying in their church community or or leaving, that you just work that heart process, God, to know what is right and discern where you're taking their household in this season. And those that are grieving, losing that church community, help that grieving process to work itself through and that they find connection with others that are walking the same journey, because there's a lot of us. Who are walking through that right now. And the last thing I want to just pray is, God, we just want to say yes. We want to say yes to what you are doing, the bigness of what you're doing, the way you're uprooting literally centuries old kinds of traditions and norms. I don't know what it is that you're doing, but I just want to keep my heart in alignment with yours. So I say yes. If it's from you, God, if it is of you, God, it is for us and for people and for society. And just do it. God, do what you're going to do. Go big in our lives and in this generation. Mm -hmm. Ashley, as a former Baptist, is doing better with pronouns than I'm I'm being conscious of that. So 
Thank you guys for joining us. It means the world that you would hang out with Good. us. Good. And Lisa Feeling better. So Thank say, you. We yeah. say all the way, God. Yeah. Just bring full and complete healing for Lisa. All right, you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you.